I'm not, I'm not certain what just happened in here. Mark, I, what, are you, what are you doing on the floor? I asked him to do something. Okay. And because he's the best at what he does, <laughs> he's doing it. All right. That's just a little concerned. It's not working, but he's yeah. trying. <laughs> I mean, it's not that big a deal. We can get by without. <laughs> Anyhow, it's Blair and Barker for Friday. We're already out of control. Uh My producer was given an assignment by Mr. Barker that's clearly beyond his capabilities. (laughs) Although part of the issue was he was given the assignment as soon as about four seconds before we were on the air. I I, I probably did that on purpose. Yeah, Yeah. probably did. I did. I'm just, normally it's something I would do. But uh, anyhow, (laughs) I mentioned it is Blair and Barker. Hey, good news. Uh, The Jays are starting a three-game series against the Oakland Athletics tonight. Bo Bichette is in the lineup. Surprise, surprise. I mean, what does it take to get Bo Bichette out of the lineup? Actually, we talked to John Schneider about that. We'll ask him about that later on in the show. The Blue Jays lineup is as follows. Springer, Bichette, Belt, he's DHing, hitting third. Vladdy's cleaning up. Matt Chapman, Whit Merrifield, Dalton Varsho, Danny Jansen, Kevin Kiermaier. Chris Bassett on the mound uh, for the Blue Jays. And uh, Kevin and I played a little game with the Athletics where we tried to name two players in the Athletics, not name Tony Kemp. It's tough. It is. But... uh, It's not their fault. No. James Caprelli will be on the mound for the Oakland A's tonight against Chris Bassett. So I guess the news news of the day, such as it is, is that uh, Bo Bichette is in the lineup today after being given... The uh, previous game off with a, I think they called it a swollen left thumb, a sore left thumb. He heard it in the the first at bat of the second game against the Marlins, played through it. Um, But, I mean, if you know anything about Bo Bichette, it is is whatever rules the high-performance department has for players, they don't apply to Bo because Bo plays every day. Maybe it's in his contract. Don't come talk to me. I'll let you know. Think you can do that? It is odd. 2023? It it must, you know, given all the different ways they have of measuring where a guy is in terms of physical conditioning and things of that I nature. I would have never played. Um, he, no, he, he might, like, honestly, he must be just a freakish athlete. I guess. He, he has to be a freakish Maybe athlete. Maybe they leave him alone. Anyhow. I mean, every once in a while, stuff's just not going to be working right. You play shortstop every single day, like occasionally, just you're not limber. Yeah, and he, your arm hurts. Correct me if I got he, a stiff neck. Has he has he had a DH day this year? I don't think so. Maybe one. I guess I could look. That would require me to sift through this paper. No, I just I, I again I'm surprised because everybody gets days off in this team, and it's sometimes it's a cause for. Well, it's sad we actually discussion. have to have this conversation. Everybody should be playing all the time. Yeah, but I played all the time on some terrible fields, Jeff. And they went to winter ball and played every single day till what? Yeah, but guys till aren't, December, January, till like February the tenth. Guys aren't wired. Went that from way. winter ball to spring training. Didn't even see my home. Guys aren't. Uh, yeah. Aren't body was uh, used to it. Wired that way. What do you have a little bit of news here? The A's have placed Ramon Laureano in the ten day injured list, fractured right hand. Connor uh, Cape will be called from Triple A. So uh, no Ramon Laureano, which is a guy that the only guy that I could name in the team, and then I find out he's on the he's on the IL. The A's are nineteen and fifty-eight. Uh, oh. Dallas Braden 
A's analyst is going to join us in a few minutes. We're going to talk to Dallas, not just about the state of the team, but the state of the franchise as well. Obviously, yeah. the A's are, uh, are going to Las Vegas. It appears, although uh, I, I, it's not necessarily, necessarily that I will believe it when I see it, but I will believe it when I see it because we've gone down this road uh, an awful lot. But it does appear as if this is the, you know, the sort of the last gasp. Uh, for the Oakland days. That's got to be hard, man. Playing for a team that uh, that you know is going to be relocated. I mean, the only thing I can think of is the the last year of the Montreal Expos. Uh, and, and that was a difficult year. But the difference is that team was at that point run by Major League Baseball and there was there was kind of a, <clears throat> there was an understanding or an imperative that it would be at least competitive because it certainly would impugn the integrity of the game if the team run by Major League Baseball were to stink. Yeah. I just don't know how you, uh, you think, so I don't know how you, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know how I'd handle this situation. So, so you think any, any player that's name is in their lineup today cares about where they play in the big league? That's a good way to look at it. Probably not. No, there you go. Probably I not. I, I think the players on this team could – unless you've been there – Unless you're a through, local kid. Uh, there or, you go. Maybe you have some interest when it comes to that. But if you're somebody trying to make it and trying to get paid, I, you don't care who pays you. It's the facts. But it's just got to be – It's a distraction is what it is because I'm sure they've had to answer questions about it. I don't know. Bigger, I can't. Bigger, no, bigger distraction do you think? The fact you're going to be moved or the fact that your team's just not that good? I think B. But again, it gets back to that. Some of these guys on here are finding their way. They're young players. Langeliers and guys Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like they're, you know, it's, it's more about oh, how do I stay in the big leagues other than caring about if we're 19 and 58 or whatever the record is. So, you know, it's, I think that you'd have to ask each individual in a room by mm-hmm. themselves. For them to be able to, because they're not going to say out loud, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, we care. Yeah. But I played. Like, I, I was one of those guys that were trying to, you know, feed my family, make as much money as I could possibly make. The only way you did that was to stay in the big leagues. A lot of these guys, I'm sure, are trying to do that first. And then maybe down the road when they sign a deal, they'll worry about where they're playing. Yeah, I just wonder how. That's life. I mean, it's almost got to feel, though, at the same time that you're, you know, ownership really doesn't care what happens to you this year. They're looking ahead to next year. Um, and having said that, I guess if I was a player in that situation, I'd, I, you know, I would take some consolation in the fact that, yes, I am in the majors and the contract's still going to be enforced wherever I go. Yeah. But, it, man, it, it does seem as if, I, I will say this, it, it seems as if when the A's get to Vegas, they're going to be in a position where they can add a ton of, they can add a ton of payroll. Uh, but it's kind of the chicken and egg question, it'll be, right? It'll get easier it's, for them to get players but, to come and play for them, I think. Yeah, but at, at some Vegas. point, sure, because Vegas, low taxes, and it's Vegas, right? Yeah. But at the same time, if you're a free agent, is that enough to overlook the fact that you're joining a team that's 19 and 58 right now? Wouldn't for me. If I had another option, I'd go somewhere else. Yeah. That's the reality. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, it's the first of three games tonight. Jay should Jay's play Jay's well off against off this team. 
Like it, it's uh, now it's not so much about who you're facing. It's every, it's very individual. Every guy's fighting a demon. <laughs> they, they just are. Matt Chapman looks like he's turned the corner, right? He's, you know, he's peeking at something else other than, you know, the iPad and trying to figure out all the things that go into see ball, hit ball, simplify mm-hmm. that thing. And Vladdy, we've talked about that forever. He's trying to figure things out. And I'm just not sure it's about now who they're facing. It's about, can I lay off a pitcher's pitch and get one down the middle? Try that. Dallas Braden is the Oakland A's TV analyst. He's co-host of the Baseball is Dead podcast. I always <laughs> chuckle when I uh, when I hear that title. Dallas, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. Uh, welcome, welcome to Toronto. Uh, Kevin and I were just having a back and forth about this, and I, I want, obviously we'll ask you about the team, but given that the A's appear to be on the move to Vegas, like, does that have any impact at all in? In, in, in terms of how the clubhouse feels about the way things are going right now? Uh, or is it just, is that, you know, a completely different situation and, and completely removed from the fact that they're 19 and 58 and the stuff that's happening on the field? Well, first and foremost, thank you, gentlemen. Always great to join you. And I always enjoy my time here with our neighbors to the north of us. Uh, but, if we're being honest, it's tough for it not to have an impact, I think, when you just look at it on the surface level. And I, I think if you do kind of zoom out and try to get, you know, maybe that, that bigger perspective, you understand that what we have in front of us are elite-level athletes, finely-tuned athletes, who have to do what each and every day? They have to adjust. They have to compartmentalize. And they have to focus on the task at hand. And so I think it becomes easy and almost second nature by the time you get to this level in doing those things, compartmentalizing, focusing on the task at hand, controlling the controllables, which is one of my favorite things to remind myself of every day I wake up. Control the controllables, and from there, you let the chips fall where they may. So I think as a group, while the outside noise is what it is and sometimes can be turned up a little farther than you can control or than those noise cancelers you try to put on can do, but, but ultimately, you have a job to do, and that starts with playing baseball and ends with playing baseball. And I think if they can continue to just maintain that perspective or a level of that perspective, the outside noise will continue to be there, but you will have done a much better job of sort of closing the ranks, closing the circle within that room, and continuing to make the incremental progress that I think we are witnessing from outsiders uh, unfold with this young group. You know, Dallas, I been used to covering games in Oakland, used to staying in San Francisco, taking the BART, getting out, going to the ballpark, covering the game, getting on BART, going back to San Francisco. Uh, a couple of years ago, I spent some time down there doing work on a, on a, a documentary we, we were doing on Mike Norris and Rick Langford and the, the old, those, that old, old, old days of starting rotation. And I got sure. to actually spend time in Oakland and walk around and you know, you see the the mural of Ricky Henderson. You you talk to people in some parts of the city, and you really realize, man, there is like, yeah, there is an Oakland, uh, and the A's the A's are part of the fabric of that city. Maybe people don't go out to the ballpark as much as they used to, but you still see A's hats. They're part of the city. Uh, do people understand outside the game? Do you think that? Do, do they understand how significant the A's are in that community? Not even close. It's not even close. That's, it's a great question, 
and I appreciate the fact that you've had boots on the ground there and you have felt those vibes and you've had those conversations because I live in the heart of that city Mm. and that is where I make my home and during the baseball season. So those conversations and those faces that you come across, those are conversations with people that have been there and experienced the arrival of what this club has meant to this community for so long. And, I mean, it's just great stories like Dave Stewart, our legend, Mm -hmm. learning how to figure out different ways to get into the Oakland Coliseum, so much so that, you know, him trying to sneak in through the left field bleachers, him trying to sneak in through center field, this eventually caught the eye of the great Reggie Jackson, who said, hey, man, can I get you tickets to the ball game? Let me take you home after the ball game. Hmm. And Stu, a young Dave Stewart, is saying, it's all good, Reg. I got a way into the ballpark. I'll see you later. <laughs> Just imagine that, though, yeah. right? Dave Stewart getting a ride to and from the ball field in Oakland by the great Reggie Jackson, Ricky Henderson, all these guys, Vida, they've all had that, excuse me, they've all had that connection, and they are all a part of that very tangible fabric that you speak of. So as far as an outside perspective, I don't know that there is that level of appreciation for what the franchise means to the community, but I think it would be fair to say that that probably rings true for 29 other fan bases when you're talking about the one that they're not a part of, right? So Mm -hmm. it would be tough for Blue Jays fans here to really explain what this team has meant to this community, to anybody outside who hasn't really felt the impact of the incredible moments where the Rogers Center has felt like it's one decibel away from crumbling to the ground because these rabid Jays fans are losing their mind. I mean, that's just tough to gather perspective on if you're a Reds fan in the middle of Ohio. Dallas, how do you stay positive through all this with what you have to do, uh, you know, covering a team that's got 19 wins and then everything's going on off the field and you're moving soon. How, how does this, how do you do it every day? I get to wake up and watch big league baseball every single day. Mm. I have a front row seat to the greatest athletes in the world playing the greatest game ever invented. And this game has continued to provide incredible life opportunities and life moments for myself and understanding that baseball gives us the opportunity to do just a little bit better than we did yesterday. We're facing inevitable failure in this game. So if you can understand that, and again, go back to compartmentalizing and process the little things that make my day so wonderful, I don't have the wins and loss record. I don't have the changing of the zip code on my mind. I have the fact that I am treated to one of the world's greatest jobs each and every day. I don't know how you can show up to a baseball field not excited about what you're about to do, regardless of what's unfolding on the field in front of you, because I know what it's like to be on a team where I was the 25th man, the last dude you wanted to see rolling out of that bullpen, the last guy you wanted (laughs) to see take the ball on a start day on getaway day. I've been that guy, and I've been the opening day starter as well. So I've ran the gamut of what it feels like to be on a team like this as a player. So I understand that being blessed with the chance to grow at the big league level is something not everybody has. And that goes for everybody with dirt under their spikes on that field and in that clubhouse to me up here wearing a headset, trying to explain to the folks the trials and tribulations of a season that we are watching unfolding as Oakland A's fans. So ultimately for me, 
perspective is key, and the fact that I get to come out and watch guys run around in costumes for at least nine innings every day of my life and someone's going to actually put money in my bank account mm. to do that, that's laughable. So I'm I'm enjoying every bit of this ride. Yeah, it's a great answer. Sell somebody to me on your, on your team that you cover every single day. Who would be the one person or one name that you say you got to watch this guy? Well, in my opinion, there's a few, but I think it really starts with a guy at the top of the lineup, and that's Estuary Ruiz. He's not there tonight, but when you're talking about a guy who leads the free world in stolen bases and the way he's hitting with runners in scoring position, the defense that we have seen from Esty, you are watching in our world. There's one name that comes to mind when you watch the havoc he has wreaked here early on, and that's Ricky Henderson. And you might laugh. You might scoff at that notion, but I would challenge you to start to take a look at maybe how things have gone for Ricky over the first 300, 400 at-bats or so of his career and how things could potentially go for Estuary Ruiz. There's some comparisons to be made there, and I'm not telling you that Esty's a future Hall of Famer. You asked me to sell you on a guy. How about a guy, like I said, who leads civilization in stolen bases, is at the top of the list when it comes to getting big clutch hits for this ball club and has shown incredible defensive prowess roaming a massive center field in Oakland, California. So that's one guy you can put on your list. we got a fellow by the name of Ryan Nota parked over at first base who is one of the best on-base artists in baseball right now, and that's coming from a Rule 5 guy. That's right, Rule 5 parked over at first base in a big league lineup uh, at the top of the list as far as getting on base. He's had to learn how to hit behind a guy in Esty who has almost 40 stolen bags here, and we're not even to the break. So you got J.P. Sears on the mound, lefty, who's really fallen in love with the changeup and has learned what that can do for him. He started to take off. He's been fun to watch. James Caprillion has put together a few good outings in a row. He's continuing to grow. So from... From where I'm sitting, there's a lot to be excited about. There is potential here. I understand it just hasn't caught in the eye by virtue of the wins and losses. Have you ever talked to Ricky about the bigger bases before? Yes, I have. What did he yes, say? I, well, <laughs> well, Ricky will tell you he would have stole 200. <laughs> yeah, <And> he might <laughs> have, though. <laughs> he might have. If, if you're going to give me just that much more room, or excuse me, if you're going to close the gap just that much more, and you're going to get me that much closer to second or third base, he said, that's trouble. That's trouble. Ricky would love that all day long. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you, you mentioned Ruiz, and I'm just looking at his stolen base numbers here. He's got 39. Uh, he's, he's two behind or three behind Mitchell Page for the most stolen bases by a rookie. Uh, he's he's at head of Dick Hauser, Ricky Henderson. I mean, this is a tremendous, obviously a tremendous rookie season for him. Uh, do you see him? I've got to think he's he's a likely candidate for the All Star game. And how big a deal do you think it would be for him to go to the All Star game? Like, would, oh, I, I'm go. liking what you're saying. I'm liking what you're saying right now. Keep putting that. Keep putting that energy out there because he absolutely deserves it up until this point. You're talking about him knocking on the door of the rookie record, right? Yeah. And we're not even into the month of July. So when you think about the impact of a young player and what that looks like across the game. Well, think about the fella out in Seattle, Mm -hmm. J-Rod, Julio Rodriguez, who is going to be hitting in the home run derby in Seattle. I think rightfully so. It's his home ballpark. He's a star there. He's a star in in the game of baseball. So you need things like that. So what it would mean to Esty is that the steps that he has taken to try to make himself a better ball player, because this is a kid, when you walk into the clubhouse, There's a lot of different things going on, but I think you could almost account for by the hands on the clock where Estee's going to be with his iPad trying to pick up something 
on anybody on your team who delivers baseballs for a living. If you pitch, that means you can be a victim of his. He is looking to find that window on where he can take off and where he can make it just that much easier on himself to get to second, to get to third, and wreak havoc on you. So it would, I think, really solidify the hard work that he has put in, and it would justify for him why he rolls the sleeves up each and every day the way he does and puts the blood and sweat behind his game that he does. Dallas, really good of you to join yeah. us today. Thanks so much, man. It's awesome. Thank I'll, you. Always enjoy it, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Yeah. See you down at the park. That's Dallas Braden, Oakland A's TV analyst, co-host of the Baseball is Dead mm. prod- podcast. Let me just read you some more numbers about Asturi Ruiz, who I think probably will. I mean, every, every team so. has to be. Yeah. Lo- and and I'm, I am a big, big – I love the All-Star game. I know people can roll their eyes. I love the All-Star game, and I really like seeing young dudes – get their chance in the all-star Good game. Point. I mean, if you watched Alec yeah. Manoa, the, the fun, mm-hmm. the fun that they have the first time they're there is something else. Yeah. Okay, he's got 39 steals. We've already mentioned that's three shy of the Oakland record for a rookie set by Mitchell page in 1977. The American league record is 66 set by Kenny Lofton in 1992. The major league record is 110 set by wow, set by Vince Coleman in 1985. But here's where I'm going to add. Here's where I'm going to go with this, because one of the things we know about baseball and people who keep stats is they love to try to put stuff in context. Mm-hmm. The fact that the bases are bigger. Yep. Do the stolen base records from this point on get asterisks? May, it does for me. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, it's a, seri- a serious, serious question. Le- leads are different. Uh, uh, when you can run the throwovers, the two times. Now you can run if you if you're successful. That's a stolen base. Never had that when Ricky was around, right? It's just when you would do it, how smart you would be doing it, how easier it would be if you were smart about doing it. Like absolutely. I yeah, mean, I this, don't is know not, if... this is not even a this is not even a debate for me. Yeah, the only thing you know, baseball's done things in the past. They've you know, lowered the pitcher's mound and things like that, and they didn't put an asterisk. I'm just asking if it if it. Uh, That's why I asked if about should, Ricky. If it, if it should come to pass, I bet if Ricky this, doesn't like this. If this kid does set the AL record, and there's he's got a shot at it. Uh, if he does set the AL record, knock on wood, he stays healthy and gets a shot at it. Um, I, I'm I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering whether or not the how many times you think Ricky could have forced a pitcher to throw over? Oh God, I don't two, even two, I, more, two times. Seriously, I don't even I don't <laughs> even want to. I don't even want to think. That, of, that's the point. I don't even want to think about about not just Ricky. I thought about this the other day. I think even guys I've covered, Tim Raines, I'm, stolen bases. How many do you more think times Tim he could Raines steal third have? because of the new rules, the bigger bases? Absolutely, this is a no-brainer for me. And if you're Ricky, you're probably rolling your eyes. You're probably not paying attention to that. That's why I asked the question: uh, Had he ever talked about him to, or to him about this? And you know, he'd be he'd have a lot to say about it. Yeah, I just it's uh, it's it, it was great hearing Dallas talk about. It. Like I said, Oakland is you know maybe because I live in Hamilton, it's kind of it, it's kind of the same thing. Hamilton's a blue collar uh, city, a steel city, and it's right next door to you know to Toronto and San Francisco's right across the street from Oakland. San Francisco's sexier than Oakland. Yeah. But it, I, I was, like I said, when you get walk around that community, the, and this was seven years ago, so it may have changed. I, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the A's are, the A's are very much, they're very much part of that, uh, of that community. How many times have I walked in here before the show and said, let's be happy about the team? 
and try his job. Yeah, well. Like how hard it would be to, to sit at home and invent ways to talk and be happy. And I mean, I got 19 wins. They're, they're, you gotta, they got a good chance of listen, getting swept every single be, time they go to a park. Like you, it's it's a thing. You have, you to, have be, to try. You have to be energetic like he is. And everything that's happened this year. You have to be a hell of a broadcaster. Oh, no question. You have to be a hell of a broadcaster. Great storyteller. Because you've also got oh. to understand mm. that, you know, we all serve somebody right we all got bosses absolutely and if you're dallas braden you you played for the team you're part of that team's history you live in oakland you're part of the community you know dallas braden it's hard to miss dallas braden when he walks into a room right it is um it is it's it's a line it's a line you have to walk i've tried it it's hard i try it all the time with vladdy i mean it's hard like sometimes you you have to really invent ways to circle the wagons, they like to say, you but, know, to try and bring optimism and, and good for them to try and you actually know, it's, do it. It's, we, we were be laughing. happy doing it. We were laughing about this. I said, you know, the hardest job on the planet is doing the Oakland A's game notes. No question. And I, I mean, I'm just reading their game notes. You know, uh, <laughs> all you need to know is the second word in their game notes is swept. The 12th word in their game notes is swept. A lot of last. The 10th is last. Last in runs, average OPS, third most Ks in in baseball, last in slugging. Like they are. They have the Jays right where they want them. Yeah, you think? Uh, They have loaded their lineup with lefties against Chris Bassett, right? Yeah, not been real good. The cutter and the sinker, right? You want to go. He wants to go up and in with the cutter. He's got to get called strikes with the cutter and the sinker. Right, you want a front hip to sinker to left. He's got they got he's facing seven of them. The first four guys are all left-handed. Right, lefties are hitting two eighty-five. Twelve of the fifteen homers he's given up are lefties. off of lefties. Right, the cutter and the sinker set up the sweeper and the breaking ball. That allows him to get away with some right down the middle. Right, changing the speeds. I get you open up the front hip, but if he's not getting called strikes with it, and I don't have to cheat to hit it, there ain't too many hitters. Ask Vladdy that can consistently have a simple, easy approach, staying closed with the front side. That means the shoulder. Have great direction with your hands. Trust yourself to have good rotation with your hips to consistently attack a fastball in. I'm not talking about in or third. I'm talking about close to the black part of that plate and consistently keep it fair. He has to be able to do that. If he doesn't, I'm not saying they're going to beat him. But he'll have some challenges going deeper into the game just because of how many lefties. It's a thing now. You know, we talked about Brios last year. Well, this is a thing now, stacking lefties against Bassett. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Passan will join us at 6 o'clock. He is ESPN's MLB insider. The back leg line is open, 416-413-3959. We will visit it at 630. But when we come back, the manager of the Blue Jays, John Schneider, joins us for his weekly appearance. It's Blair and Barker, the pregame show. I think I can call it that. On Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Sportsnet 360, and Sportsnet. Seven oh seven will be the first pitch tonight as the Jays open a three game series against the Oakland Athletics. You can catch it right here on Sportsnet five ninety the fan, and of course on Sportsnet as well. The pitching matchup is Chris Bassett for the Jays against James Caprellian. 
for the Oakland Athletics. Tomorrow's game is Hogan Harris against mm-hmm. Jose Berrios, and Sunday is Luis Medina against Yusei Kikuchi. As uh, the, what do they say they are? 19 of 58 Oakland Athletics come to town. And we've, you gotta bring out we've the fallen it. Huh? you got to bring out the brims. Yeah, we've fallen, we've fallen into the trap before of saying, well, this is a soft part of the schedule, et cetera, et cetera. This is the soft-ish part of the schedule for the Jays. It's very individual, though. Jeff. But it, no, they're it is. fighting demons. Well, you know it. Yeah, there are a few of them. <laughs> they are. Are fighting demons. <laughs> well, uh, one guy who isn't fighting demons uh, is Bo Bichette. And um, Bo Bichette is in the lineup tonight after sitting out a game with a left thumb injury. And it was suffered in the second game of that three-game series against the Marlins. And the Jays were very clear. Uh, they were going to, they were hopeful that yesterday's game or the, the third game of the series is a 12-10 start. And they thought, well, with an early start, if we give him that day off, give him the off day, which yesterday Sandy was. Sandy was pitching too. Yeah, <laughs> didn't hurt. Uh, he'd be good to go. That is the case. Bo Bichette is in the lineup. That lineup was submitted by John Schneider, the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, and he joins us on Blair and Parker. John, thanks very much for joining us today. Uh, welcome back from the road. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. A question that Kevin and I have been bouncing around uh, for a while now, and I don't think we've ever actually asked you, uh, but you know, we know that the uh, sports science department and the resources department, that they do have a say in a player's workload, and we've seen that there are guys who get scheduled days off, and... Barker and myself have wondered, why does Bo never get a scheduled day off? <laughs> um, for one, it's tough to give him those. He, he really likes to be in there every day and kind of have the flow of the game be both at the plate and in the field. Um, certain guys are a little bit different, I think, just with the way that they're built, with, with the way that they you know can kind of recover a little bit. Um, he, uh, he wants to be and kind of takes pride in being out there um, every single day, um, really tough guy to get out of the lineup. So it's, uh, something for sure that it's not just him saying it or us saying, okay, it's a lot of people kind of checking off every box as well to make sure that's best for him and best for us. Okay. John, welcome back again. I know Jeff said, welcome Thank back home. And yeah, it's good to hear your voice. Yeah. I, it that's wouldn't, good. this wouldn't be a conversation with John Snyder unless I started with Vladimir, <laughs> Vladimir Carrera Jr. Oh, here we go. That's well, why I started with Bo. I figured I, I'd give you a change. Absolutely. Up, but, well, yeah, we yeah. always have to ask about Vladdy because it seems to, you know, get the engine rolling here, right? Is whenever he's hitting it sort of just everything else sort of falls in place. But I, I do wonder, and we've had lots of <laughs> me and Jeff talk about Vladdy a lot, right? It's, it's, and I'm sure you guys have too behind closed doors trying to figure out how to spark it, get it going, and, and you know, start driving some balls in the big part of the field. But I do wonder, and I want to ask, and I'm not real sure if people have asked you this before. Uh, when he got injured with the, with the wrist thing, whatever that thing was, right, uh, that was early in the season. The first 33 games before that, he was raking, John. You know that. Like it was, he's hitting well over 300. He was hitting home runs. He was driving in runs. The OPS was close to 1,000. Since then, it hasn't been, right? The average is about 30 or 40 points less. The OPS is uh, a little, uh, you know, I think it's uh, 100 points less than it was the first 33 games. The big question is, 
is he injured? You know, is something still wrong with the wrist that doesn't allow him to get extension? That's sort of for me what it is, right? Is you want to get the ball in the air, you got to catch it right and have great extension for whatever reason we haven't seen that. Is it still the wrist or is it other things? I, yeah, I don't think it's so much the wrist. You know, I think a lot of it comes down to, again, you, you know, going even back to Jeff's question, if, if guys are, you know, putting themselves in tough spots physically, you know, we're not going to run them out there. Um, so I don't think it's, I don't think it, I don't think it's that per se. I think it's more so the pitches that he's swinging at um, or pitches that he's swinging at and not, and not clicking. Um, I think that when he did come back from the wrist thing, it was, you know, he was rolling. And he came back and, you know, probably didn't get off to the start that he wanted to um, compared to, you know, what he was doing before the injury. So I think part of that is, you know, a little bit of a, a mental grind, um, you know, missing some games and missing some time. But really, I think it comes down to, you know, just pitches, you know, the way he's being pitched for one, um, especially early in counts and the pitches that he's swinging at. Um, so I guess to answer your question, no, the wrist is good. You know, it's not it's not that um, everyone kind of goes through some some dings here and there throughout the course of the year, but he's, he's good to go. John, should we give pitchers more credit when they face Vladimir Guerrero jr? I know I yell and scream at the TV all the time. Why are you swinging at the sinker and off the plate? Why are you chasing the slider down and away? That, that looks like an immature approach, right? That looks like an amateur approach because it's consistent. You see that a lot. And I think sometimes we just don't give the, the guy standing on the mound enough credit. Should we? I mean, yeah, I think that we, you know, I think when you say the name Vlad, you kind of just expect something really great to happen every at bat, right? Yeah. And there's all there's there's always uh, <laughs> to quote Marcus Simeon from a couple of years ago. No matter who you face it, you can always say that he drives a nice car too. No matter how good of a player you are, <laughs> <So> <laughs> that one kind of always stuck with me. Um, so I mean, pitchers are good and they know what they're doing, right? And I think that we've kind of come to the point with Vlad where. You know, we just expect something great to happen uh, with every pitch because of what he can do on any given pitch. So a lot of it is how he's being pitched, yeah. And, you know, pitchers are noticing tendencies, and it's up to him to kind of adjust with it and um, lay off some pitches or do some damage with some pitches that he is getting. So it's uh, it's a constant back and forth between him and the pitcher. John, how do you tell if a player is – being bothered by or or if the pressure is getting to him like, what, what would be an indication do you that's one thing people always talk about whenever a guy is slumping they say well the pressure is getting to him or you know there's a weight in his shoulders what tells you that with with vladdy in particular and with players in general is it something about the way they are around the clubhouse is it uh, how, how would you determine that i think it's you know how they kind of interact with their teammates it's how they're separating their offense and defense um, what their work is like, what their overall, you know, just kind of mood is like. Um, and with Vlad, it's been very, very consistent all year. Understands that um, guys look up to him. Guys are going to, you know, feed off his energy a little bit. And he's, his job is to go compete, you know, every at bat, every night. So I think if you start to see those things waver a little bit with the way they prepare, or with the way that they're, you know, communicating with their staff, with their teammates and things like that, then you get a little bit of worried. But um I haven't seen that from Vlad. You know, he's been as consistent as they come in terms of his demeanor, his work, his prep. Um, you know, he understands that there's, you know, there's much more going on than just, you know, whatever's going on with him. If he's trying to get hot or do too much, you know, this is a total team effort here. So he's uh, he's been as professional, really, as you, 
as you could be going through a little bit of a rough patch. I, I heard Matt Chapman a couple of days ago, I think after he had a home run and, and the media was asking him questions and he said, I just, I'm trying to simplify it. I'm trying to get a pitch I can do damage on. And I, I sort of chuckled and I was thinking to myself, well, sort of what took you so long, right? It's, it's the, it was, <laughs> I, I, you know, you laugh, but I see Matt Chapman, you can tell sort of when he's grinding mentally, right? It's the, it's the, huh? he'll get a good pitch to hit. Like he'll get in a hitter's count. He'll get a good one to hit either he rolls over, he fouls it off, and then he runs right to the iPad. So it's, I, I when I heard that, I chuckled. And I, my question to you is, what, what are you seeing different from, you know, a week ago than the last couple of days? It is funny. I think when you simplify it that much, it's just, you know, not just him, but I think overall just up and down the lineup, right? I think you can look at, <clears throat> if you have that approach collectively, I mean, it is a grind on a starting pitcher or anyone coming out of the bullpen. Um it is kind of funny when you go, yeah, that seems pretty simple. What took you so long? Yeah. But it's just, you could tell the last couple of days with Chappie, just kind of a different mentality. You could tell in conversations, you know, with him, you know, whether it's him and me or him and teammates or him and Guillermo and Hudge, you know, you could, you can kind of hear it in his, in his voice to where, you know, all right, let's really just stay convicted here. And I think when you look up and down, you know, our lineup, I think if we can get everyone kind of doing that, that sounds so easy. I know it's like, Hey, I'm not budging until I get something that I can really do damage on. And if I can't, I'm going to turn it over to the next guy, you know, and just on down the line you go. It is, um, baseball's funny. You know, when you go through ups and downs, Chappie was the best hitter in baseball the month of April. And I think it's easy to kind of see, all right, you cool off and you start thinking a little bit too much and it just happens, you know? So if it takes a, a weekend in Miami to where you're really simplifying things and kind of getting back to where you were, then that's great. I think the most important thing from that is, you know, everyone else, the other, 12 dudes understanding that if we can get that that approach going collectively, it's going to be, you know, really tough for a pitcher to settle in against us. Yeah. John, I know that uh, I, I don't I don't know where this came from exactly, but it seems in the past week or so we started to see the date July first kind of surface around Alec Manoa's possible return. How I mean, is that carved in stone? Is there a chance he makes a start for you guys on July first? Or you know, do you still need do you still need to see more, frankly, from him? And while I ask you about him, I'll ask you. I'll also ask you for an update on uh, Ricky Tiedemann and Chad Green and Hyunjin Ryu. Yeah, I mean, I think with Alec, you know, there's no date whatsoever set in stone. I think that you know the the same thing holds true is that we're just making sure that we're doing everything possible to make you know that that's best for him and best for us. I think that date probably got thrown out because you can kind of count backwards with off days with who we have in the rotation right now, but there's no date set in stone. Um, there's still things that we, you know, want to see him accomplish, you know, that just, you know, it's every day, you know, he had the outing on Wednesday and that went well, you know, we want to just keep rolling. And again, we don't want to force the issue with Alec, you know, this is one of the best pitchers in the game and we want to make sure that we're getting everything kind of where it needs to be. Um, so yeah, there's no, there's no exact definitive uh, timetable with that. Uh, Ricky, as far as I know, I haven't gotten an update lately, lately in depth, but is doing well. His playing catch has not gotten off the mound yet. Um, Hunjin threw a two-up live VP down in Florida on um, on Tuesday, I believe it was. And um, that went really well. Fastball below was uh, trending up. He was, um, I don't know if you guys seen video of him, but he's in phenomenal shape. He's, he's mm-hmm. lost about 25, 30 pounds. He's in a good spot. Um, and then Chad Green threw a live uh, yesterday with Velo up to 93, I think, too, and felt good. So 
those guys are progressing. Ricky hasn't gotten to the point of the mound, I don't believe. I'm not exactly sure on that one yet, but um, but Hunjin and, and Chad are really doing well. John, with Manoa, is there one thing as the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays that when you get your reports that you're really honing in on and you want to pay attention to when it comes to him? Yeah, it's strike throwing. It's, you know, number of pitches per inning. I know you can kind of use inning very loosely right now, but it's number of pitches per up. Um, you know, it strikes in one, one counts. It is, you know, strikes with fastball strikes with slider. You know, there's no real, you know, there's, there's certain things mechanically that him and Pete have identified that we're looking at as well, but we're looking at, you know, the big fellow just to fill the zone up, you know, and, uh, once he gets that feeling back, it's kind of, you know, then how his two and three pitches play off of one another. But the biggest things we're looking at are, um, delivery, making sure that's at the same you know, the same spot that it was at when he was great, you know, and then and then just the strike-throwing ability with all of his pitches. John, Aurelvis Martinez is having having himself a month down in the minors. And, you know, once mm-hmm. any any guy gets to double-A, I sort of traditionally, that's when I start kind of thinking about, okay, how close is he to getting up here? Understanding that, you know, you've got right now, you're obviously all your positions are filled. What are the reports on him? What is the difference? And what is the chance that if you had to, if you had to, you, you you might be able to bring him up. Yeah, I think the reports on him, for one, um, I think everyone kind of knows the, the book on Arelvis. It's big-time power, big-time pull-side power, and it just comes down to pitch selection. You know, he, he made such good strides in spring training with us, um, just kind of really shrinking the strike zone, taking what it sounds so, you know, elementary, but taking walks, laying off pitches that are down and away in the dirt. And kind of just you know setting your sights more right center than you would be left center. Um, I know the season didn't start that way for him, and um, the last month or so has really turned it on. So young play, you forget how young this dude is too. Um, I think as a baseball, you know, as an organization, as an industry, you really see the power, and you say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do everything we can to see if this can click. You know, all all the uh, all the things other than just the power. So it's gonna take some time, but. Um, the last month has been tremendous uh, out of him offensively. And in terms of, you know, him, you know, he's on the 40 man, you know, nothing's, you know, it's, it's way easier when you're on the 40 man. And if there is needed the big, big level to come on up and help. So we're just, we're happy with the progress he's made over the last month um, and looking for more of those steps in the same direction going forward. Last question from us. Uh, interesting watching Kevin Cash handle uh, Wander Franco yesterday and uh, essentially uh, essentially bench. Well, he did. He benched him for a couple of games because he didn't like the way he was handling frustration. I'm not going to ask you, in, you know, specifically about Wander Franco or the Rays, but philosophically, John, what does it take for you to bench a guy? And is it different in the minors when you were minor league manager uh, compared to being a major league manager? Like, are the, are the rules or the guidelines different in terms of where your, you know, your red line is for, I got to deal with this through a benching mm-hmm. or I got to deal with it simply by calling a dude in the office and saying, hey, that's, that's not how we do things here. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to say it's different, but it is a little bit different between minor leagues and big leagues. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it is interesting how each team, each, organization handles things, um, whether it be publicly or privately. I think that, um, you know, we like to handle things privately and there's, there's definitely, you know, times to handle them publicly or say things publicly. I know I've done that. I know other people have done that before when it comes to effort or lack thereof. Um, but interested, you know, interesting to see how it was, how it was handled by, by cash. Um, you know, it's, uh, (laughs) 
probably a little easier to teach a lesson when you got a nice little uh, comfortable division <laughs> lead with your start and shortstop, um, and and to kind of make a make a a real point out of it you know, for one of their you know uh, premier players. So everyone handles it differently, whether it's publicly or privately. And I do think that there is yeah, there's definitely if you can get everyone pulling in the same direction. Um, again, my view is ultimately players, they, they drive that, you know, they, they run that to where if they see something up to what their, their standards are, what their expectations of, of themselves are, they handle it, you know, and then if it gets to the point to where it's a coach or it's me and it's privately great. Um, but I just think it's, yeah, it was interesting to see that and, um, you know, respect the way that, that Kev did it down there with Wander. Um, but yeah, everyone's a little bit different. Hey, I lied. Barker yeah, yeah. has another question. I promise this is the last one, John. <laughs> I, I, I have to ask, as a young manager trying to find out who you are, going through tough times as a team with expectations, what do you learn about yourself early in the season here? Uh, that I think the one thing that I've always wanted to do is be patient, and I think I have been patient. Um, I've been understanding, and I've been empathetic to how hard the game is, and to me, it's, you know, if it's for lack of effort, I think then that's when you can kind of, you know, get a little bit pissed off. It hasn't been lack of effort. It's been, um, you know, things that have been, you know, needed to be tightened up that I think that that have been addressed. Um, but I just think that I've been, you know, I've learned that, that you know, patience part of it has, has been um, something I really wanted to get better at. And I think I've shown that this year. Um, but at the same time, it's, you're definitely making your point um, whenever you need it to be heard. A lot of times it's being done behind closed doors, but it's, uh, I think the patience part and understanding of the guys, you know, they're, they're, they went through a tough part of the schedule, playing some tough teams, playing a lot of games in a lot of, in a, in a lot of days. So it was, uh, patience was, was key there for sure. John, we really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Great. We'll see you down to the park. Great guys. stuff. Thanks, Thanks John. Be Bye. well. John Schneider, manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. So there you go. Bo's in the lineup. We talked about that. Uh, 416-413-3959 is the back leg line. Uh, but now it is time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Let's bring in Mr. Mark Boffel. All right, guys. So the A's are in town. You guys spoke to Dallas Braden about it. Former A, Chris Bassett, uh, taking the mound for the Jays tonight. Will he go over or under five and a half strikeouts? How did, how will this play out tonight for Mr. Bassett? The Oakland Athletics have struck out 717 times this year. Uh, that is the third most in baseball. This is an easy over for me. Yeah, I'm going under. Of course. I just said that. Uh, that, that we talked about this earlier. He's facing seven lefties out of the nine. The first four are lefties. Lefties are hitting 285. But they're not good 12, lefties. 12 of the 15. They're not good 12 lefties. 12 of the 15 are. They get hit both ways and they're not good. 12 of the 15 home runs he's given up are off of lefties. Uh, in his last star, uh, last six starts, only one time has he struck out five or more guys. Or more than five guys. It's the athletics, man. It's the athletics. So I'm taking the under. The last two starts he's had have been stinkers. The cutter hadn't been real good. The location of that thing. Sinker hadn't been real good. I'm they, not saying they ain't going to win. This is, should uh, be. I think it'll be. There's no Esther Ruiz in this lineup. Ram, Ramon Laureano's already uh, is on the IL. This should be easy pickings. This should be easy. He's not a strikeout well, guy. Anyway. Diaz is the DA. I mean, I think you're begging, but as long as they win, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. No. I th- yeah. I, th- I. I mean, I think you should be able to get like seven strikeouts out of this group. Seven. Yeah, I think so. It's rare that he does that. But. It is indeed. That was Between the Lines, brought to you by our friends at Bet Rivers. 
Um, Jeff Passan is ESPN's mm-hmm. MLB insider. And uh, there's a lot of kind of funky news today regarding baseball. The Cincinnati Reds have sold out tonight's game. Think about that. They should. It's a great place to watch a baseball game. Go for their 12th awesome. consecutive win. It really um, is. Think back to earlier this offseason where their owner was being criticized for lack of spending, and he basically said, well, if you don't like it, go watch another team. Wow. And, um, well, Man. people are uh, people are You voting, win and they but, will come. Exactly. <laughs> and, of course, Major League Baseball's in London with the uh, Cardinals mm-hmm. and Cubs, and there's every indication that as part of its international plans, there will be games in Paris in the not-too-distant future. Do you think we could get the Jays to Paris? Why not? Do you think they'd let us go? Who, me and you? Yeah. Not a chance. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> but anyhow. We'd be watching it on the TV. Yes, we would. Whatever time. Uh, that would be. And the back leg line, 416-413-3959. is the back leg line. We will get to that. After Jeff Passon joins us, it's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Four one six four one three three nine five nine. That is the number of the back leg line, and we'll get to it at six thirty. Jays and A's are a little more than an hour away from the Rogers Center. Chris Bassett on the mound against uh, James Caprone. What can go wrong? What can go wrong? This has the vague aroma of a sweep about it. How do you know what that smells like? I don't know. Just it's. Just does. Uh, Boba Shed is in the lineup, so uh, that fear has been put to uh, rest. And uh, it was interesting hearing our conversation conversation with John Schneider in the last hour about just are there different rules for Bo than Absolutely. anybody else? Sounds like it. Sounds like it. He basically says, get away from me. I'm playing. There's nothing you can do about it. And I keep mentioning, you know, your best, one of your uh, best abilities is availability. That's one thing about both these kids that I do appreciate is the yeah. fact that they're there every day. Yeah. And uh, there is something to be said for that. Uh, if you're looking to get paid, there is something to be said for mm. that. Uh, Brandon Belt's hitting in the third spot tonight. Whit Merrifield's in the sixth spot. I mean, basically, you're trying to separate lefties and righties a little bit, but also in the case of Whit Merrifield... They're trying to get a couple of dudes on for Vladdy. Yeah. So Vladdy will get a heater down the middle. That's simple. Yeah. <laughs> stop stop worrying about who's hitting after Vladdy. No, they're trying to put they're trying to build <laughs> that's they're trying what it to is. they're trying to build the big inning. Absolutely. That, that's essentially that's it. That's buddy. essentially what they're doing. Uh Jeff Passon joins us. He is ESPN's MLB insider. How you doing, Mr. Passon? I'm doing great, boys. How are you? Oh, we're living the dream. Love that. Yeah. I'm driving through New York City right now. Ooh. So if you hear horns honking or people yelling at me, it wasn't my 
Are you actually driving yeah. a car or are you in a car being driven? I am driving. You are driving in New York City. Yes. I, I am. I know nobody who has ever driven in New York City. You are. Well, they're, they're, they're soft. Like you have. If you can drive in New York City, you can drive anywhere. I always feel like it's a good test. And I've got my child sitting in the car with me. Oh, right no, you've got a kid and you're driving in New York City. Jesus, man. I. I, I don't want him to be afraid of this, like some people I know up north of the border. Everybody. Gosh. Wow. Okay. Everybody's afraid of this. Right, so, but are you, like, actually in Midtown, or are you, like, on one of those? Cause yeah, of- actually, no, we're in Midtown. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jeez. I don't know. I'm almost. I, no, we were go- we've. We've gone. We've gone over the last couple of days. We've gone from, uh, we've gone Jersey, uh, Queens, Brooklyn. We're in Manhattan now, and we're going to the Bronx tonight to watch a baseball game. Wow. wow. There you go. So That's you're, awesome. You're getting all you the boroughs covered. Yeah, we are not going to Staten Island. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's the one that that's the one that's missing. That's the one that's missing. Yeah. Um, I hey. think they give away lobster underneath the stadium, huh? If you get those really good seats, and I'm sure you have good seats, Jeff. What? You, you yeah, can, not that good. Not that good. Not that, no, no, definitely wow. not. I would not. I, I don't want to be the guy who's paying five hundred bucks for for a baseball seat. I'm sorry. Mm. I don't know if that makes me cheap. I don't think so, though. Like the, I'm sorry, but good stadium food is still just mediocre food. Yeah, uh, that's true. Wait, the company that you work for won't give you free tickets to the Yankees? Well, I I can probably get free tickets to the Yankees, but. I doubt I'm getting lobster tickets. Yeah, no, you won't. You definitely won't be getting lobster tickets. That's, that's, you got to know somebody that knows somebody. Yeah, that is that is definitely yeah exactly exactly that is definitely yeah, safe. I'm not safe to say. Do I do I look like a, you know what? Honestly, on TV, I probably do look like somebody who would get lobster tickets. <laughs> you so do that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're saving money, not yeah. taking Uber too. So yeah, I could spend yeah, that money. That's true. I'm still having a hard time. I'm also. I'm, it, are, are you Blair? This has you really shook. Doesn't it does. It? You can't believe it. What? what? That he's driving? No, it's. I. I will tell you that uh, just to be careful because on one of my other shows we had a Ren Lavoie on, who's kind of the uh, French language oh, hockey I know version. Who, I know who he is. Yeah. yeah. Well, he he's got hockey insider. Sure. Yeah, he got he got pulled over while uh, we were talking to him. He goes, uh, "JB, just a minute. I got a problem here. Just hold on." And then I hear the window roll down. <laughs> Bonjour, monsieur. Eh, hey, bonjour. Come on. Oh, Ren Lavoie. And then they go on and you find out that he's basically been nailed for talking on the cell phone while he's been driving. And it cost him like $400. Anyhow, we need to get, uh, we, we need to get, but he, Ren was a good sport. He goes, ah, it's okay. It's the price of doing business. Um, anyhow, so I will get to, uh, we'll get right away to baseball. Hey, the Reds have a cell phone. Does Ren not have, does Ren not have Bluetooth? That I he, this was a couple of years ago. Maybe he just felt like talking on the holding the phone up. I don't know. I don't know, but I do know that it, the, when the Surete de Quebec stops you for something, it's very much yes sir, no sir. You, Trouble. Uh, it's like being Surete is like being stopped by the Florida State Troopers when you're speeding coming out of Orlando. You just say yes sir, uh, yes sir, yes sir, absolutely sir. You're right, sir. I was doing that. And you're right, sir. I feel like an idiot. Yes, sir. I'll just hand you. 
My credit card. That's the way you do things. Uh, <laughs> they don't ask for your credit card. Oh, I just got cut off. Look at this. New York, baby. I didn't even honk. I, I, I didn't want to make a loud noise for this audience. Does it have oh. a jersey plate on the car? Uh, no, New York plate. Okay, because uh, I was. Uh, we will get to baseball at one point, but I always remember Jersey because I was visiting the friend of mine did his masters at Philadelphia. It was my first trip to Philadelphia, and we were actually going to a basketball game at the Palestra, and there were police directing traffic, and we're crossing the street. This car whips through, almost hits us, and the police officer blows his whistle, and he goes over and talks to the guy. Comes back, looks at the other police officer, and goes, "Joyzy, it's always Joyzy." That's <laughs> true. It is it's true. Very true. All right, people are let, let's get to let, let's get to baseball. Hey, the Cincinnati Reds are going to be sold out tonight, wasn't it? Like five months ago, that their owner basically said, "If you don't like us, go find another team to watch." Yes, that's. Uh, it was the son of the owner. Ah, the son of the owner, um, even is, better. <laughs> yes, which is quite, which is quite often how it goes with these sorts of things. I don't know if you've noticed, but sons of rich men are quite often not as impressive as their fathers. Yes, yes, um, yes. And, and yes, Phil Castellini did that. Didn't just say that, but said it on opening day, which was pretty uh, pretty spectacular. And here they are, like, a year later, and, man, uh, it's a good team. I think they're the favorites in the Central. I really do. And a lot of that has to do with the mediocrity in the National League Central, but even before they had this big winning streak going, they were in Kansas City, and I was in that clubhouse for a couple of days, and there was good energy in there, man. And and you guys know what I'm talking about when mm-hmm. I say that. Mm-hmm. You know a clubhouse that has good energy, and you know a clubhouse that has bad energy. And I haven't been in the Blue Jays clubhouse this year, but I'm guessing the energy in the Blue Jays clubhouse this year isn't great. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, there's just, you know, it's it's almost like you can tell when uh, energy happens to be based on expectations. Like if you are exceeding expectations, which the Reds unquestionably are doing, um, and, and starting to learn what it's like to win at the big league level, then the energy is through the roof. But if, if you're a team like the Jays that uh, should be good, should be better at very least, and you're just sort of in this no man's land the way they are, because that's I, I think that's probably the best way to describe the Jays, is it not? That yep. they're just like you keep waiting for them to be what they should be, and that question's starting to creep into their heads just like it's starting to creep into ours. Maybe they're just not that. Maybe this is just who they are. Maybe they're just okay and not really good. And it doesn't make any sense, but sometimes it doesn't have to. And we got a bunch of that around baseball this year. You look at the roster in St. Louis. They are not the worst team in the National League, roster-wise, talent-wise, like they were for a little bit there, and yet they're struggling. See it with the Mets. See it to a lesser extent with the Phillies, but still – a little bit. You see it with the Padres, and I think the American League versions of that would be the Mariners and the Blue Jays. Yeah, it's uh, you know, hearing hearing you list all those teams, it it, it really is remarkable just how many preseason picks and you know the playoffs yeah. playoff structure is going to give them a chance. 
But it's remarkable how many of them are, if they did get in the playoffs, you'd look at them and go, gee, okay, uh, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, and there are, you know, there are some teams filling the vacuums there, right? Like the, the Orioles. The Orioles are legit. The Rangers are legit. I don't think a lot of people had certainly both of them, but in a lot of cases, either of them going to the postseason this year. And I I don't know if either of them is a lock at this point, but I'd say they're probably pretty close. Um, I You know, you look at the National League, I, I believe that the Diamondbacks were going to be a lot better. Um, did I think that they were going to be leading the National League West halfway through the season? No. I probably would have that it was likelier to be the Dodgers or the Padres. Uh, maybe not the Giants, but uh, I, I thought that the Diamondbacks were going to take a step forward. They've taken a leap instead. And so it, it's been interesting following these standings. And I, I always tell myself, like, we know who teams are by June 1st. We're almost at July 1st, though, and I'm still in my head – like holding on to the idea that the Mets aren't this bad, that the Cardinals aren't this bad, that the Padres aren't this bad, that the Mariners aren't this bad, and that the Blue Jays are just frankly better. Because they're not bad. They're just not really good right now either. Jeff, what are the Phillies? The Phillies confuse me. Mm. Um, And and that loss yesterday was just, ugh. Mm Like, it's, you know, it's one thing to lose a game when there's a runner on second in extra innings. It's another to absolutely get your ass kicked in extra innings and to to give up a home run to Marcelo Zuna after the Kyle Schwarber mishap. Like, uh, that, that to me is the difference between the Braves and everyone else in the National League East, including the Phillies. And, well, we saw the Phillies make an incredible and spirited run last year. Uh, I'm not sure that they've got that run in them again this year. Uh, well, hold on. Just one second, Jeff. Yeah. You mentioned the Cardinals, and I, I, I saw uh, Wainwright on TV today. And, and you, yep. look, you, look, you look up where the standings are. They're 13 games under 500. they They're nine games back. Only nine yep. games back. And Adam was talking about if he gets good, decent, everyday starting pitching – they got a decent chance in that division to make a run at it. Is he crazy? Yeah, I mean, if I get uh, five inches, I get the ability to dunk, maybe. <laughs> but but the point is, like, the, the Cardinals have gone through a half season now with mediocre at best starting pitching. Where mm-hmm. is this good starting pitching coming from? Like, I'd love to see it. Um, so it's, it's easy to say if we do this uh, – do it. Like, let's let's see it. And maybe then we can believe in this idea of a turnaround, but I've just seen no signs that Cardinal starting pitching is going to be anything but a mess. So I'm not quite sure why I would sit here and believe any other uh, anything otherwise. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we had Kyle Peterson on yesterday talking about the NCAA, uh, the College World Series, and then, yeah. of course, last, oh, night's, last night's game with... Man, it, was, it was so good, and I was... Here's the thing. I'm I'm in New York and I'm dropping off my son at camp for right. for seven weeks, and we were we were in Brooklyn and 
went to the NBA draft. And it was me, uh, my son, and his best friend. Both of them uh, are good high school ball players and love baseball and love watching it, love playing it. And I don't know if either of you has ever been to an NBA draft, but uh, going to the NBA draft instead of just staying at home and watching that game was the biggest mistake we could have made. Because <laughs> God, what a ba- what a what a spectacular baseball game that was. Two guys in Paul Skeens and Rhett Lauder who are going to be top ten picks on the mound against each other, a scoreless game into extra innings where the guy who should be the number one pick in the draft singles to get on and a guy who's going to be a first-rounder next year uh, hits a walk-off home run to send him to the championship. You don't get a whole lot better than that. When you look at Skeens, you know, we, we've talked about guys who go straight from college and, and, yep. and, and immediately to the majors. Uh, if you were the Pirates, are you doing that with this guy? I mean, are, do you pass up, though, on Dylan Cruz? Like, a guy who's going to, I, I think, you know, you talk with enough scouts and they all think he's going to be an all-star caliber center fielder. I mean, it, those are those are pretty damn hard to find. And those also don't have the sort of stuff that's correlated very strongly uh, with arm injuries. And I, I don't wish anything of the sort on Paul Skeens or anyone else who throws hard. I just know the reality. Yeah. How many guys who have Paul Skeens' caliber stuff stay healthy? That's, that's not a rhetorical question, by the way, either. Yeah. Um, yeah. The answer is like none. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and part of that part of that is because nobody has Paul Skeens' kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but but let's look at guys who have. Of of those who have, Max Scherzer stayed healthy. Like you know, Justin Verlander didn't have Tommy John surgery until his late thirties. I would suggest Justin Verlander stayed healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, like guys who are power power pitchers, like the list is zero. Garrett Cole has stayed healthy actually, so Garrett Cole's another one. But. Uh, those are the outliers, and maybe Paul Skeens is an outlier too. He's got outlier stuff. He's got an outlier body. He's got an outlier work ethic. Like he's fantastic. And if you pick him one-one, I think there's a very credible argument to be made why you did that. If you're the Pirates, especially because the Pirates are a team that need pitching. Mm-hmm. Like they could really use some pitching. They're calling up Henry Davis. They're calling up Nick Gonzalez. They have, you know, Brian Reynolds and Cabrian Hayes on uh, Jack Sawinski. Like they've got some everyday guys, but I just, when it comes to the number one overall pick, Jeff, I honestly just, I don't want to go safe necessarily, but I don't think the upside of schemes is worth the risk that you're taking compared to Dylan Cruz. Jeff, what do you make of Kevin Cash and Wander Franco in Tampa? I love it. Hmm. I mean, I don't love, I don't love the fact that Wander Franco at this young of an age is getting benched for being a bad teammate. Um, But I love that there's an organization where people are held accountable. And, and I love the fact that while the details of it were not publicly discussed, that the the Rays didn't try to hide this by saying, uh, you know, Franco's going to miss a couple days with a hamstring or something along those. No, they just came right out. And it's clear 
that they wanted to send a message to him that in this organization with this team, it does not matter if we gave you $180 million. It does not matter if you're the best player on the team, an MVP candidate, or whatever sort of plaudits you want to throw on the guy that are deserved. Um, Being a good teammate is a foundational element of what the Rays do because without that, they do not have guys willing to sacrifice uh, in statistics, in role, in any of the things they ask in order to follow along with what they believe is going to lead to winning baseball. And when you've got somebody like Wander Franco, who clearly is not adhering to the program, then uh, punishing him the way they did, it sends a message to him that, uh, hey, you better get in line because nobody's bigger than the program. When you're at the NBA draft, did you like the outfit that the uh, Raptors' choice wore? Grady Dick, well, the it's, red. It's, it's it's interesting. I was down. Uh, I, I, the the kids sent me on a hunt for popcorn, and so I was down as kids will on the first level. Yes, yeah, so I was down on the first mm-hmm. level, and I ran into another baseball reporter who was there, uh, Dice K. Segura, who's a Japanese reporter, and. I didn't know where I was going, but I had a media credential, so I'm like, Daisuke, can you get me down to the floor? So brings me down to the floor. I walked by Wembenyama, which was very cool, and uh, sort of positioned myself on the floor. And my child, of course, because he inevitably does this, uh, let his phone battery dwindle down and die. But I had sent him a picture from down on the floor. I had taken a blind photo of this clown who was wearing a bright red sequin jacket. And I think the text to him said, look at this moron wearing this bright red sequin jacket. And then when I saw it was Grady Dick, I was like, no, I love Grady Dick. I was like, we're, we're Kansas fans. We live in Kansas. We love KU. Uh, I, I will say this, the, the world being introduced to Grady Dick being a giant weirdo, goofball, like hilarious dancing mess over the last 24 hours has been a great joy to me because uh, he is, you know, I, I love the fact that this gawky, skinny, white boy freshman can walk into the University of Kansas locker room and do all of these things and have teammates going along. That, to me, actually says a lot about who he is as a teammate and as a person. And if you can ingratiate yourself like that into a program like KU, he's going to do just fine in the NBA. And let me tell you, having watched enough Grady Dick basketball this year uh, and enough basketball over my you know 25 or so years as a, as a reporter now and having covered college basketball – Grady Dick's got one of the five most pure jump shots I've ever seen. It's spectacular. And it, it's high above his head, and it's so quick, and it's just a really, really, really pretty jumper. Well, awesome. that will be definitely needed here because that is the one no thing question. this team does not do, or one thing it did not do well last year was shoot the ball. And, yeah. and uh, hey, any, any, any dude who not only wears a red suit but has red sold shoes i, I got to give it up to him i got to give Bloody it up. shoes the way to go mm. jeff drive safely Boy. my friend thanks for your time way to go buddy 
Yeah, I'm trying to merge right now. It's not going great, got to be honest. <laughs> Force your way over. Force your Force way your over. Force your way over. That's right. Oh, trust it. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to do this. I'm going to put my child on the spot. How many people have I cut off in the last 36 hours? So many illegal things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, mean, I, I got. I got to be honest. I was in so many bike lanes yesterday. I'm was, I was kind of embarrassed today. <laughs> All right, we'll That's let you guys great. run. Have a good. Have uh, have fun tonight. Thank guys. Take care. See you. All right. See you, boys. All righty. It's Jeff Passan, ESPN MLB Insider. I tried that once. What? Drive. I've driven on one time I, in New York. One time I've driven on the, uh, it will yeah. never happen again. I've driven like from Philadelphia into Yankee stadium, but I've never, I've never driven. And in I get unbelievably car sick in a huh? taxi in New It is unbelievable. Well, they're kind of shocked. I have to lay down in the back. It is. Yeah. It is awful. Really? I would rather get car sick than drive in New York. Yeah, I, I just, fact. I've, just never had any reason to and drive. And I'm a solid to, driver. To, to yeah. drive in Midtown. I just never had any reason to drive in Midtown. Um, but, and when he said, I've got to remember too, when he said his child, I was thinking like his child's in a car seat. I think his child's a little older than that. <laughs> right? I was thinking passing with like four-year-old so, so passing. Like he should be driving. Passing Junior sitting in the back seat, you know. Yeah. Dad, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. In the bike lane. Yeah, put that finger down. Put that finger down. And anyhow. Uh, we appreciate Jeff joining that's us. So there you go. I mean, that's an, his, his, his thing about skeins is interesting. I, you know, if you're the pirates, I'm almost looking at, 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 at like a trade deadline acquisition. If I can get that arm. Oh, hundred percent. But at Bring the it same right to the time, show. right to the show at the same time, what are you teaching them in the minor leagues? No, no, it's not just that. I'm, I'm debating whether I go for him or I go for the outfielder, the all-star, the, the dude who's going to be. Like maybe playing 158 games for me or 155 games for me at some point down the road. Um, it, it, it's hard to say, but boy. And I'll tell you what. I, mm. I, the other kid, Rhett Louder. Just as good. Well, just I th- as impressive. I, I, I think what he, what he knew is who he was facing. Yes. It sort of brings out the best in you, right? You right. know, you got to live up to both. And, I mean, his, his team's pretty good when he pitches, too. I think they were going into last night 17-0 and when he pitches – that's pretty. I good. mean, that was really that was that was, uh, that was a really good did you baseball guys, game. Did you guys get to the far in the college playoffs? Absolutely, at Virginia not. Tech. No, mm, okay. I was the only one going back leg city. All right. <laughs> Speaking of that, the back leg line is open. It's four one six four one three three nine five nine. I kind of like the way you said that. Four one six four one three three nine five nine. Blair and Barker for Friday. Friday on Sportsnet five ninety. The fan Sportsnet three sixteen. Wherever you get your favorite podcast. This crazy idea, Parker. The uh, universe bosses in town. Don't say it. He is the universe no, bosses in town. I know, but don't say what you're about to say. Uh, it is cricket day at the ballpark tomorrow. You should go out to cricket day at the ballpark because Chris Gale is there. He is the universe boss. That's a great nickname. It, it, but you and I mean, it's if like you have Jesus. that nickname, I mean, it doesn't get it. Like you, no, those are like. And he didn't give it to himself. Nope. That was given to him. He's a terrific. <laughs> cricketer so my people thought, give themselves nicknames james B- big game james shields <laughs> um how'd that work out yeah worked out for a while uh i think they uh, should let him give vladdy hitting lessons 
let so the cricket you, dude. Let the there? cricket dude. Why'd you go there? No, let's think about it. Because you, you have fun, loosen it up a bit. What do you think the first thing you'd say to him is? You got to introduce yourself somehow. You got to you got to say something that they're going to go. Ah, oh, I'll pay attention to you. What you do you think say, the first, first thing he says? You know, in our sport, foul balls count. <laughs> they kind of do, don't they? I have, how about ground balls? Yeah, foul balls count. Man. Ground you can balls turn around, and go whack like that. Uh, and they have tea in their sport. I, I just thought it'd be fun. And uh, anyhow, I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna head I out mean, there. Why not? It's a big deal. If uh, I'm one of those people, I don't understand cricket. Could not explain the rules to you, but if it's on TV, I'll watch it just because I get a kick out of watching the dudes hit the ball back with bat. It's just it's freaky. It's freakishly good. Mm. Um, anyhow, so I was thinking of the universe boss. I thought maybe you lighten it up with Vladdy. Great, Dignity. Lighten it up with nah, Vladdy. The only thing that's going to work there is. Out in front. Anyhow, it's not going to matter because I'm calling it right now. <laughs> calling it right now. Mm-hmm. Vladdy home run tonight. Yes, dude, don't give up homers. Second at bat. This guy don't give up homers. Got it right here. You know, this guy, you know what this guy throws tonight for the ace? I'll give you two guesses. Sinker in, slider away. What are, what are Vladdy no like? It's, it's in, it's it's in like the crypt tonight. It's in the stars tonight. I feel it. I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my bones. Tonight is the night. Mm-hmm. Tonight well, is crazy. Tonight. Well, we're doing Blue Jays talk tonight. When it happens, how, how nice afterwards, would that be? When it happens afterwards, for you to say you that, that's remember. the first thing out of your mouth. Guess yeah. what, Vladdy did. Four one six four one three three nine five nine. That is the back leg line. It's your chance to leave questions, comments, <clears throat> jokes, observations. For Kevin, a reminder: if you're listening to us via podcast or on podcast or through podcast, however you listen to us. It's a podcast. Leave a uh, five star review. Yeah, it's a good show. Yeah, today's been okay. Guests have been good. Yeah, the guests have been good. You, you've been well. I mean, it's it's, it's a right. struggle occasionally. Dauber's down a bit today, you know. <laughs> Bill in Ottawa. Bill. So I was thinking about something uh, that's been going on, especially with Vlad and stuff. What would your reaction be if the lineup came out and, Bl- and Vladdy was batting seventh? Just wondering. Do you think they would lose Vladdy? Do you think he would pout? Or do you think he would use it as motivation like Bo and turn his season around? Let me know what you guys think. I don't know if Bo, I don't think Bo necessarily used it as motivation last year. I think Bo was really, 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 really pissed off. I think he still uh, is. Yeah, uh, and and I uh, yeah yeah I don't necessarily know if that was motivation. I I don't. I, whenever you make a move like that, my reaction is okay. Who are you putting up there that you think is better than me? That would be my first reaction. I don't know if you'd lose Vladdy. Um, I to me it would be a sign of panic. Uh, don't forget that when Bo was moved into the seventh spot, you had just fired your manager. It was, you know, that was about a clo- as close to a crisis situation as you can get. You fired your manager. Team wasn't going the way you wanted it to go. You know, desperate times call for desperate measures, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't think, I don't think we're there yet. And I just don't know. I mean, I'll turn it over to you, Kevin, but Vladdy hitting seventh is still not going to be able to... That's not going to change the way James Caprellian goes at him tonight. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, I'm not. 
I mean, they may get to a point if this continues the way it is that they might have to do something. You don't do it for a long period of time, but you may. But again, there's got to be somebody. There, mm. there has to be. There has to be somebody capable of going into that spot who is going to give you yeah, or, a better at bat. Or it's about who you're playing. Or it's, there you go. That's Might give you an opportunity to, maybe. You know, if you want to do that, if you want to, you know, send a little tiny message. But see, it, and it's not just the. That says we've tried everything. I think that's where it's at, right? Have they tried everything? Is there <clears throat> is there everything he's doing off the field? Yes. That they've tried? That's just, for whatever reason, he's chasing balls in off the plate. I mean, he's just. The I'm not sure exactly bat to ball skills is his biggest strength. It's when everything's in line, ball off a of bat is elite. It has to be in certain zones for it to consistently be doing that. So yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting thought. I think you gotta have a real good feel of the room. I think you gotta have a real good feel of your team. And I think you gotta have a real good feel of your player. John last year had a good feel of Bo. But that rankled Bo. It still has. Bob in Edmonton. Bob. With the difference in the bases, the size, are there any numbers to say how much time it saves? Is it a half a step, a quarter step, half a second, maybe quarter of a second? Six inches, I don't know if it makes that much difference time-wise. Goodbye. Yeah, I don't think that wasn't the the reason behind enlarging enlarging the bases. The reason behind enlarging the bases was to return base running to force the to issue. the game, force the issue. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I look with all these rules. It's pretty clear, I think, that the pitch timer has made the game better. With all these other rules, I think we need to have a bigger, you know, we, we need to have a bigger sample size. Again, how does it play in the heat of the summer? How does it play in the postseason? That is my particular mm-hmm. interest with the pitch timer. Yep. Is what happens if that game two of the World Series ends on a pitch timer violation. I, I we need to I think we need to to gather more evidence. I, just anecdotally, I really like what I've seen from the new rules. I haven't noticed it as much with the Blue Jays, but there are other teams. Well, for example, I mean the Baltimore Orioles, they steal more bases. And there are other teams that it's made a difference. If you talk to uh, to uh, Jeff Pass, and we we were talking about the Cincinnati Reds. If you talk to uh, to, to their GM, he will tell you that look, um, we didn't draft all these guys specifically because of the new rules, but it's made it easier for us to incorporate to, to incorporate them incorporate them into our attack because yeah. the new rules do play into their hands. Yeah, but it was not a time saving uh, thing. It was yeah. Designed to help create more action. I, I have not dug into time and, and how much quicker it is. If I mean, if fans want us to do that, we can do that. I can figure that out and ask people that would know that answer and give people that are listening to this show an answer for that. I, I think for me anyway, it gives 
base runners, more confidence for leads. The yes. bigger, the more confident your lead is, the better chance you have of either not running the banana route. You know, you saw Vladdy a couple of days and mm-hmm. cost him a run because he took that big route around the bases. I think it makes the base runner that's an okay base runner, not a great base runner, run better routes because of the bigger bases because it gives you confidence that you can, because of your lead, you know, I get a short secondary league. I, I get a or I get a, a short lead, a big secondary lead because the base is bigger, and I think yeah. I can get back a little bit easier. I do think that part should of it also lend itself helps to, a lot. It should also lend itself to taking the extra base because there's a bigger area to touch when you're running. Absolutely. Well, that that is the route around the base. <clears throat> That's what you're talking about, right? It's It's not everybody touches it with the right foot. But you can run the right route because the base is bigger, especially from second to home. That's the one right in. And maybe first to home, you can do that because you're running around two bases. That's an intriguing thought, right? It's, it's again, I get back to that thing. You got to want to run the bases. Like you got to, when you get on base, you got to want to run it. I will say this up until this year, I'm not real sure if I cared about a dude standing at first. Didn't really pay any attention to it. Now, all of a sudden, an average base runner, I'm paying attention to that because of the bigger bases. Oh, like I, I, I think there's going to be action. Like I think there's some thought going into pitching coach, khakis, pitcher, first baseman, maybe the pickoff play. Always, How many pickoff plays you seen from the Blue Jays at second and shortstop yeah. because of the bases, right? You want to be able because of bigger leads and you might want to get that easy pickoff. I think there's – Thanks to that, which intrigues me as a as a viewer, makes me pay attention to those kind of things. It always kind of bothered me when you would talk to pitching coaches in the past couple of years, and you'd ask about base running and holding the base running. They go, "Well, we kind of rather have our guys worry about strikeouts, strikeouts, and the That's dude at it. the plate." And I, yeah. I I get it, but right, it's part of the game I grew up with was paying attention to the base runner. And, you know, it used to drive me nuts because you'd hear that. Then you get into extra innings and Jordan Romano, when he first started closing was horrible. at couldn't hold a base runner. Boom. A guy in second base. You'd go, oh, my God, you know, you got to hold the base runner. It's like, you, you can't have it both ways. And, and yeah. um, that's why I, uh, by and large, I really like the, the rules, the way they've been put in here. Again, I need to see it. I need to see it play out. I mean, I remember we had a, we talked to Kevin Gossman in spring training, and he was talking about the uh, the pitch timer, and he you know, and he was looking at it from the point of view of of someone who depends on it for his livelihood. And he said, "I'm interested in seeing what it's going to be like when it's raining and your cleats are full of dirt. Are we going to have time to?" He was taking a very practical approach to it. Like this yeah, sounds great. Overthinking this is good. It maybe too, a little. Well, no, but well, he, there's a lot of common sense in a lot of that. Yeah, but you didn't know at the time. But common sense yeah, was, but was was the umpire going to, you know? Mm-hmm. And 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 what I'm saying is, that's not being an issue, and that's what I think you need to let these rules play out, and you need to see how they're, uh, how, how ultimately how they hold up. Yeah, over it's the holding course runners of too with the bigger bases. But I really like, like a guy game. like Kevin Gosman who strikes a lot of dudes out, who does it in a certain way, right? The big leg kick yeah. because of the two-pitch thing and throwing the split finger. Do you really want to hold the runner on? John of St. Catharines. John. 
Mr. Barker, I think, I think you hit it right on the hit the nail on the head when you said that Brendan Belt was a second pick, uh, second choice, a panic pick. Once again, Russ Atkins couldn't sell this, couldn't seal the deal on somebody else that we'll never know. As far as Vladdy goes, I still think I, I honestly think Vladdy. Now that we're we have a little bit of a lesser uh, schedule, we should be sending him back down to Buffalo to take him out of the limelight. Let us get his head back on and do his thing. Yeah, I mean, you're not sending Vladdy down to Buffalo. He's still hit, like, 275 with 9 and 42. OPS is 768. Yeah, it's not Vladdy, but a lot of people take that. And I I will say, boy, if you start sending down Vladdy, like, who you calling up? Uh, Who? there is nobody. Like, I wouldn't even know how you'd sell that. No, you wouldn't. You how to, would you sell? How would? Because we've heard that. You know, one, we've you, heard that more than one guys time. Do, guys do. And, yeah. And, and it, it drives me nuts. Guys get to the point. Yeah, Matt Chapman stunk for a month. Should have sent him down. Guys I mean, get going to do it. Guys get to the point where where they're immune to that. I mean, they just are. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, it, you know, would you send, would you send Bo down if he had a bad month? Probably not. Just. I, I mean, it's I, we've we've got to get beyond this thing about this idea of 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 sending guys out. And everybody says, "Well, Mike Trout got sent down." Mike Trout didn't get sent down. I don't think after three years or three and a half years, he did not. Right? So it's different, and you get to a certain point where you're just it's it's not on the table uh, to be to be sent down. Uh, and you know, I, I could see them maybe yeah, I, maybe giving <clears throat> Vladdy a day off every now and then, but. I don't think that's going to help either. You I know, don't. You know, what I, you. you know what I think it is too. Excuse me, <clears throat> got something in my throat. I think too, when you're being sent down, like Alec Manoa, they're having trouble finding out what it is. Mm-hmm. Why are you laughing at me? I just just looked <laughs> at the sound. I looked at the goon show in the room over there, and I just. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just. Uh, they, unfortunately, I think I, they're like they've they've kind of become like my evil offspring. I'm a little worried here because I think they've kind of a, they, they've kind of adapted. So some everything of the, is your fault. Is your point? Well, I don't know. absolutely. I mean, Andrew was such a nice. Not, I mean, Mark was a lost was cause, but Andrew was a lovely show, five to seven with you. A, a lovely, uh, you know, uh, a, a very very nice, lovely, normal person. And now I I look in there and they're doing things and they're. You know, gambling fault, on Jeff. golf. That's awesome. Anyhow, sorry. Go ahead. I'd lost my train of thought. Okay, short train. They're, they're not. They're not sending him down. <laughs> How's that? How's that? <laughs> yeah, it's, they, it's, they know what it is. How about that? He's not hurt. Uh, he's, well, we asked John Schneider. We, we about asked that. him. He's not hurt. Do you believe that? Absolutely. All right. He takes big old hacks like he does. Absolutely. He's still hitting. Yeah, he is making hard contact. So that would suggest that he's probably healthy. mile an hour double play. That he is going to the all-star game, the, the GIDP competition that he's going to be in. By the way, I see that uh, J-Rod has announced that he's going to be in the home run derby. You want Vladdy no in surprise. it? <sighs> Where's it at? Seattle. Well, it's a big park. Would I? That's a big park. I'd love to see. Oh, it's a big one. I would love to see. I could go one of two ways. It could. He could win that thing. He's oozing confidence, holding that trophy up, 
or he could hit zero home runs in the first round and be worse when he came back. See, I, I, I'd let him do it. If he wanted to do it, I'd let him do they're it. They're not going to stop him from doing it. I'd let him do it. I think, you know what? What the hell? Have fun, kid. It's been a tough first half. You've been voted into the All-Star game. Uh, yeah. If both he and or Bo want to do it, I just, I would love to see Bo do it. Yeah, not me. I would love to not see Bo chance. do it. But if either of them want to do it, I'm okay with it. I just think. Bo's I mean, good because he's, he's not doing the big daddy hack yeah, anymore. I understand that we, that. You know, there's the thing about going into it, and it can have a negative impact and all that. But sometimes, man, sometimes just have fun. And uh, if Vladdy wants to do it, if he gets asked and he wants I'm to do it, you. absolutely. Ha- have, I give him his blessing. And, j- kid, just go have fun. Go have fun. Yeah, okay. Larry in St. Albert. Larry. Kevin, back a week, 10 just days leave. ago, your partner there in crime, mm-hmm. Mr. Blairs, was very adamant in the fact that Third baseman would not be back next year. He's 30 years of age, less married less than two years, no kids, <laughs> lives in the hotel in the center field, mm-hmm. makes $12.5 million a year, best defensive third baseman we've had, ever had the Blue Jays ever had. But Mr. Blair is adamant that he's gone. He's leaving. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with him? Absolutely. And uh, if you <laughs> disagree with him, which I hope you do, Give me, uh, give us your reasons. Hopefully they uh, are in line with mine. Thank you. Enjoy the show, guys. Yeah. Take care. We appreciate you listening and, and everything you said about Matt Chapman. I, I'm, I don't know about all the other stuff where he lives. I have no idea. Does he live in Centerfield? Yeah. I don't know. The hotel? I don't know. Why would you live? Why would you live there if you were making 19? Is he making? I think he's making a lot. Eh? Yeah, Who knows? Some guys live in the 12 and a half. Now. I don't know. Maybe they like, room, live in the maybe they like room service. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with Jeff. I, I have asked around about that. Everything that I, because of who his agent is and because this is and a, Scott Boris, this is agent. because a, this is his deal. Like he ain't probably getting another one. He's going to try and max that out. I think that number's a little bit bigger than what the Jays are willing to spend. And so I'm, I'm with Jeff. And I'm not certain that they should spend it. By the way, uh, just looking at Bo warming up, he's got no, got nothing on his thumb. Like he's got no tape, no, he's got nothing. So there you go. Um, huh. We mentioned Bo is in the lineup today. Uh, Every day, Bo is in Very the sharp today. eye by you. No, I just <laughs> noticed him running. And I'm, I was waiting to see if there's one of those funky little sort of casts or whatever. Well, he ain't going to wear it. He's only going to wear that when he's hitting. Yeah, inside the glove, maybe. But uh, mm. anyhow. Um, no, listen, I. the counter-argument is that maybe you talk to Matt Chapman because the years, it's starting to level off now, and, and maybe he'll... But no, Matt Chapman's going to... And he should. Matt Chapman's a platinum glove third baseman who's going to be in the market I mean, at a time a, when there aren't a lot of position players I out there. Let me ask you a question. If you're the Toronto Blue Jays, now be serious, people that listen to this, all, all five of you. <laughs> Is there, would there be, would there be, if you were the GM, Jeff, don't laugh at me. If you're the, if you're the, GM, if you're the GM, it's, it's Friday. If you're the GM, would you give Matt Chapman $150 million? Be serious. No. You definitely wouldn't give him 200 so it would be in oh, the range of somewhere in 150 to two. It'd be somewhere in there with years. That's what he's going to be wanting. 
Because of who his agent is. Yeah. No, I uh, no, I need I no. 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 Because now you need now you need but, you probably need another eighth inning guy. You need another starter because uh, of the I quality need, of depth you have. You need a cleanup hitter. But like, here's there's the some thing. things in the offseason you could use that money for. Right, but here's the other thing. Things. I've also got to replace Matt Chapman. Uh, you could probably piece that together if you're getting other guys. Like you could have a couple of, uh, of my lineup has good to, defenders. My lineup third. has my lineup has to be better next year. Absolutely. However, I do it. My lineup has to be better next year, and whether that's two lefty hitters or two righty, I just I need a better lineup. And I I I think the thing that's kind of also happening here at the same time is Arelvis Martinez has had a good month at Double A. And we we need mm-hmm. to see where he is at the end of the year. I don't know enough of him to know if he can. If third, John didn't second, say no to that, is, did he? Is, but I don't know if he's a guy that could could step in. I don't know if Addison Barger has a good year at AAA. It, can he step in and be a third baseman for you? I just know this that I think I can find a guy that is going to give me some good defense at third base. Maybe not as much as as good as Chapman, but a guy who's going to give me good defense at third base. I need to find. I need to find more more offense. Well, let me ask you a question: the, the most important thing in the offseason, re-signing Matt Chapman or getting the other thing? Oh, the other thing. Without question. Without question. Without question. Without question. There it, it is. It's getting getting that hitter, um, and We're, and getting getting that hitter. And I'm not not talking about a guy who's going to be here for a year. I'm talking producer. about sir. I'm talking of, and I'm talking about getting Man. a guy who's going to be here for three or four years with yeah. a little bit of control. There you go. That's going to take an awful lot. And then, yeah, I got to dress. Got to get some more arms in the bullpen. There's some things. Yeah. Um, He's a good player, but it's going to take a lot of money. Yeah. You could use that money other places, and they could always come out and say, well, we didn't win while we was here. Yeah. Like, I mean, I th- yeah, I, if he's – and he's not. If, if he were, for whatever reason, to think about a, a giving you a discount, then I think you have the discussion with him. But his agent's not going to go mm-hmm. that way. And, again, he's not going to need a discount because mm-hmm. all you have to do is look at the position players yeah, available in free agency. Of- and, you know, the other thing, too, there are a lot of teams at the end of this year who are going to be closer to the postseason than they thought they were. And maybe, you know, if you're a team like the Reds, I don't know, Maybe a good defensive third baseman who's a veteran guy, a clubhouse guy. Yeah. Maybe there's a spot for him. I, I don't know. Maybe there is. If you're you'll make a pick little another sense. team, Pittsburgh Pirates. Now you've got Cabrian. Hey, you've you've already got a good third baseman. Yeah. But I don't know. You got a veteran. Maybe you're going to spend some money on a guy who's going to get you over the hump. There's going to be teams that are going to be closer to getting over the hump next year. There's going to be more of them next year than there are this year. There you and, go. And that's why I think Matt Chapman. Uh, I think Matt Chapman. They need more quality in places they could use that money for that quality. Yep. It's a good Uh, question, though. No, it is a good question. It is. It is a good question. It's a tough answer to give people because I know they don't want to hear that. Well, and also Matt Matt Chapman seems to be a pretty important guy in this clubhouse. He's got a big voice, I think. And uh, the caller is right. I mean, I'm thinking of good defensive. We've had some good defensive third baseman here. Josh, when he first came over here, was, was, was really good. But uh, yeah, covering covering the ground, Chapman covers. I'd just like to see everybody offensively hot at the same time. And see, did we get that for a month? It'd be nice. How about that? How about getting it for a week? I think about it. That's it for us. I know. That's it for us. We'll be doing Blue Jays talk tonight. Immediately following the game. Get to buy me dinner.
I'm not buying you dinner. You are, too. I'm not buying you dinner. We'll be doing uh, Blair and Barker again tomorrow. Boffo, too. Or tomorrow, there. Monday. You guys are confusing me. <laughs> Shut up. Blair and Barker will be back Monday on Sportsnet 590 Fan. Sportsnet from 5 to 7. N- now you can start talking. <laughs>